This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your smartphone, tablet, or desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Also, help us keep Star Trek discussion coming to you each day by becoming a Trek FM patron through Patreon. Get access to exclusive content and become part of the team. You'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm. Hi, I'm Anthony Montgomery, Ensign Travis Mayweather on Star Trek Enterprise, and you're listening to Trek FM. Welcome, Boomers, to another episode of Warp 5, Trek FM's dedicated enterprise show. I'm your host, Floyd Dorsey, and I just got settled in here on the Shuttle Pod 2. And I see my co-host, Jeff Harlan. He's already stowed his gear. Hey, Jeff, how's it going? I'm doing good. I just came in from uh, the 23rd century. I'm still getting uh, you know, over some of the uh, time lag there. But uh, I got all my gear. It's all stored. I'm good. Nice. I was about to say jet lag, but I guess that would be like a, a, a Tavacron lag or something, right? All right. Well, hey, and for tonight's mission, listeners, we are joined by a special guest. He's the co-associate producer of Warp 5 and co-host of Metatrex, Mr. Mike Morrison. How's it going, Mike? It's going well. I just penned a letter to my friend, Dr. Lucas, and I'm ready to roll. Nice. All right. Sweet. All right. Well, gentlemen, it's going to be a little cozy in the shuttle pod tonight. Uh, t- tight I'm, quarters. Yeah, but it's we got our gear stowed. You know, uh, I'm sure we'll be fine. You know, like what could go wrong, right? Right. But yeah, famous uh, last words. My, since I mentioned it, Mike, uh, did you remember to pack a bottle? You know, just in case of emergency. I knew I was forgetting something, but luckily, you know, Cap Marcher's got a bottle of Kentucky bourbon in here, so I think I think we're I think we're covered. The Kentucky bourbon, that's that's more special, I guess, than the uh, Tennessee bourbon. But I've got my Warp 5 mug. It's, it's you know, let's let's not let it go empty for me, okay? I've got my super-sized Superman mug, so we're ready. Nice. We're ready. I brought a couple nice. of bottles of scotch, so we're covered. Aye, <laughs> <laughs> <I>, laddie. <laughs> All right. Well, it sounds like I'm driving, folks. So uh, let's go ahead and get the mission started. Uh, Mike, are you doing a Trek rewatch right now? And if so, where are you? I am. I, I, I'm always rewatching something comprehensively. I've always got one going on. I've not really been following uh, the rewatch that folks on the Babel Conference have been following. I just finished Enterprise a couple of months ago, and I'm in the middle of uh, Next Generation. I'm about halfway through Season 5 at this point. And I think after that, I could probably jump in on the rewatch of uh, of, of TOS. Very good. All right. Where are you, Jeff? Well, uh, Megan and I were about 
little over halfway through season three now. We're more or less in line with uh, the Babel Conference and the uh, the network's uh, rewatch. And we just watched Stratagem the other night. We're getting ready to get into Hatchery and Azadi Prime pretty soon. Very good. Those are some nice episodes in season three. I'm right at the end of season two. I just watched First Flight yesterday, and oh my gosh, that episode makes me want to rewind and watch it again. One of my favorites. That makes me want to put the rewatch on a pause for just a moment. And then I'm (laughs) on, I actually just finished Bounty, and it's kind of funny on Bounty because uh, Archer is stuck back there behind the, it kind of looks like lit up hula hoops back there in the back of the uh, Tellerite ship and my sons asked me why doesn't he just crawl out because there's this giant hole at the bottom (laughs) all right so if you're doing an enterprise rewatch right now or this could be your initial watch you're in the right place we'll be continuing our enterprise retrospective as we cover the themes found in episodes from the second half of season one and those episodes are dear doctor sleeping dogs shadows of pajem shuttle pod one Fusion, Rogue Planet, and Acquisition. So, I, and I know there's a couple of heavy hitting episodes in in this segment of the season, but for this retrospective, I just want to hit the high points on the themes, and we'll come back and dig in deeper to those uh, those really thick themes that could do a whole show by itself. And as we've mentioned on previous Warp 5's future shows this year, will continue with discussions of overall themes through segments of each season. But for this show, we wanted to discuss whether you should help someone, even if you probably shouldn't, or if it's a very good idea to chase a pretty girl through a very dark alien jungle. We'll also see what happens when you're trying to get to the bottom of a whiskey bottle before the air runs out, and see how easy it is to get robbed by some little guys with big ears. All right, guys, so this first section I have labeled as to help or not to help. So let's go ahead and jump straight into Dear Doctor. According to Memory Alpha, the episode is described as in the name of promoting genetic superiority, Enterprise, or the crew of the NX-01, withholds a cure from a culture that has been stricken by a planet-wide plague. So we've got Valakians that are not doing so well. And the mink, it looks like they could end up doing pretty good. So Mike, getting us started here, do you agree with Archer's decision? That's, that's a tough question. Your, your label in your notes say to help or not to help. And that really is the question. And it's a tough one. You know, first of all, uh, I've been reading Newsweek's uh, special Star Trek 50 Years edition, and this particular episode is listed as one of their top 10. And I agree, this is such a strong episode. And, you know, whether or not, you know, certainly if we if we were following the rules of Kantian ethics, absolutely, you know, it's always the right thing to lend aid. I think the uh, bigger question here was once uh, Dr. Phlox was able to ascertain what was going on and uh, come up with a with a treatment regimen that would allow uh, for a cure to the disease, you know, at that point, that's I think that's where the ethical and, and, and moral play comes in. You know, do we do we release that cure? Do we save these people or do we allow what Flocks uh, had determined to be uh, the natural evolution of this uh, planet and these species to nature? Very good. So, Jeff, I'm going to pose the same question to you. Do you agree with Archer's decision? 
I'm torn because we can see how this is setting things up for the argument for the creation of the Prime Directive. That's clearly the point of the episode. They're setting all that up. But the science behind uh, Flox's determination that, oh, we shouldn't help them, just doesn't hold water for me. I mean, how can he possibly know which direction evolution is going Mm -hmm. to take? It's yep. no different than doctors today trying to cure a disease. If you find a cure, I think you're obligated to share that. The question remains is if, you know, do they interfere with this culture or do they at least give them hope? Say, we think that a cure is possible, not let them know that there is actually a cure that they've made and just say, we think a cure is possible. Here's some ideas. We'll point you in the right direction and let you do the rest of the work. Okay. I, yes, this is a very tough decision and that's what makes this a great Star Trek episode, I believe, because it make we're still talking about it all these years later and we're still going to be talking about it 20 years from now, probably because it's a catch 22, no matter how you look at it. And I don't think you're uh, ever you, going to find a complete consensus one way or the other on this episode. Right. Because there is such a great argument for both sides. You've got morally... They should help, but ethically they should let nature take its course. So they're totally at at odds here. I've got to be honest, boomers. I, when I watched this episode, the first few times I was in complete agreement with Archer's final decision. Yes, it was a tough decision to make and he's really not sure if it's the right decision, but to do nothing seemed like it was, he was going to not mess up by doing nothing. He could mess it up if he tr- did something, but he's going to let nature's take its course. And I've got to be honest on this last rewatch that I've done. And then with the discussions that we've had in the Babel conference and seeing both sides of the argument, I don't know. Now I'm, I, I I've got some really good feedback from when we're doing our rewatch with, and on the Trek FM that boy, I really don't know now it's not as cut and dried as I thought it was. I think Hippocrates would have been torn. I mean, the, the the whole idea behind the Hippocratic Oath is do no harm. But, you know, you're left with this coin toss. Are you doing more harm by helping or by leaving it alone? And I, I think that's that's the big question. But for the purpose of the story, you know, the great thing that came out of it, I think, was a bonding between Flocks and Archer. You know, up until this point... You know, Phlox has kind of stood on the outskirts of things, and he's he's not entirely sure uh, about Archer, about uh, his decision making, his ethics. He, he's just he's just not sure, and he's I think he's cautiously optimistic. But you know, once once we get through this episode, he gains a respect for Archer. I think that carries over, and we really see uh, the solidifying of this when we get into season three. Yep. I, I think I, I'm pretty sure that there was another, there was a different ending for this that John Billingsley, I can't remember if he agreed or disagreed. Do either of you know what I'm talking about? Mm. He was on this. He, it was, he was not going to tell Archer. He was going to hold it back. Mm. And they, I think they ended up going back and rewriting it saying, no, that's not how we want it to be. We want the focus to be on the captain making the decision and not the doctor in that case. But it actually mm. ended up turning out to be a nice, like you said, forming a great bond 
with the the two characters, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um one one of the sticking points for Star Trek is if they for the prime directive is if they're warp capable, now we can meddle. Or that's kind of how it seems to look. But the Vlachians were not warp capable, but yet they still left the planet looking for help. So to me, that all that's where the sticking point comes on the to help or not to help. Yes, they don't have warp, but they actually went out into space and were trying to find help. So they know that there are other cultures out there that have the technology to help them. So, mm. boy, I mean, this this episode, this is a whole other episode, folks. I man, this is a good stuff right here. Uh, did you did you either of you have anything else to say about this episode? Well, it's the earliest uh, mention in the timeline that we know of uh, for the Ferengi by name. The Enterprise crew doesn't know who they're talking about, but uh, the Valakians do mention that they've had contact with the Ferengi. That's right. That's right. Oh, wow. That, that is totally right. Yeah. And when I, when they said that, I was like, yep, the Ferengi, they don't have a prime directive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they've got rules of acquisition. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, listeners, please let us know what you think about this episode. Go to the Babel Conference and post your comments or leave us a voice message. That would be so cool for to be able to play your voice message on a future episode of Warp 5. Remember, go to speakbite.com slash trekfm and let us know. Do you agree with Archer's decision? I'd love to hear both sides of this story. But to continue on with this story and go on with the mission... We're going to let's talk about sleeping dogs for a moment here. Uh, This actually had a cameo with Vaughn Armstrong playing the Klingon captain. I did not know this. Mm -hmm. Did, am I the only one that didn't notice this? What do you, what do you think Mike is? I mean, did you notice this the first time you saw this or did you? Yeah, yeah, actually, actually I did. And it's his voice that gives it away. Um, He's Vaughn, played a Klingon several other times too. So, oh yeah, yeah, he has, and uh, in fact, I, I think he's played more characters in the Star Trek universe than anybody else. I, th- I think yep. he's a heck of an actor, every bit as as talented, in my opinion, as as Jeff Combs, and he he gives a great uh, great performance in this particular episode as well. I think it's the Damn. first time that he's played a Klingon that was not named Chorus. oh okay nice thank you mr atos well for this episode we actually got to see a lot of the inside of a klingon ship we got to see a klingon galley and we got to see the crew of the the enterprise that uh, visited the ship actually took off their masks so that's always a sticking point for people when they watch star trek jeff uh what, what did you think about the inside of the Klingon ship and them taking off their masks? Well, clearly the Klingons and the humans can breathe the same atmosphere, so I didn't have a problem with that. And I did appreciate that they commented about how much they thought that the inside of the Klingon ship smelled. Right. Uh, they even said that you know they were going to take a shower for like a week and try to get it out. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing was is Reed couldn't smell it because mm-hmm. so, he had a cold. That was so funny. All right. Well, hey, knowing the trouble we've avoided with the Klingons in the past, Mike, would you have helped the Klingons to the same extent that we saw in this episode? 
Yeah, I think I would have. Uh, and again, it, it kind of goes back to the idea of Kantian ethics. I mean, if you see someone in distress, you see someone in, in trouble, there, there's an obligation there to, to, to do something to help. And I, I think that thread is carried over through every iteration of Star Trek. In fact, some of the best storytelling are those, you know, let's let's aid somebody in distress. And yeah, absolutely. I, I think I would have lent the same aid. Uh, but Anytime you uh, do something to help a Klingon, as they say, no no good deed goes unpunished. Nice. Yeah, and this also ties in with uh, comments by uh, Spock in Star Trek VI about the early contact with the Klingons was disastrous. And you can easily make that argument from what happened in Broken Bow and what happens here because... Klingon ethics and morality and human ethics and morality just do not line up. And our idea of trying to help them is a slap in the face to them. And that just makes them hate us even more. Mm -hmm. Yep. I, yeah, looking at this, I almost feel like the Klingons don't want to admit it, but it was the right thing to do to help them, even though it was going to get them in trouble and the Klingons were going to, to do their chest pounding about it it was still the right thing to do. And in the end, they probably still gained some respect, even if they weren't going to even admit it. And for those folks out there that, that enjoy uh, the appearance of languages in Star Trek, I, I think this is one of the best episodes for exploration of the Klingon language. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And how she got to do, get to do her work while she, she was there. She got to be a communications officer. Okay, well, Boomers, let's go ahead and continue the conversation with uh, Shadows of Pajem. And, hey, we got to see Shran again. Uh, Mike, uh, are you a big Shran fan? I'm a big Shran fan. I love the blue guy. Nice. And I know Jeff's a Shran fan. All right. So, yeah, I, I love Shran. And we actually found the crew in the middle of another argument between the Ardorians and the Vulcans. So, gosh, can we please stop breaking up their fights? I actually was thinking about this just yesterday. I thought that we almost, we have another original series connection here, possibly. We've got the Andorians, we've got the humans in the middle, and then we've got the Vulcans. So it's almost a Kirk, Spock, McCoy situation again. What do you think about that, Jeff? I could see that. McCoy was very passionate, and uh, so are the Andorians. So did we get like a backdoor, maybe, I, I don't know, the triad here, backdoor, maybe, I don't was this was this a secret thing, or maybe it's just, I just now thought of it. I don't, I don't know. But yeah, we also got to see Vulcan commandos. Was I the only person that didn't realize that the Vulcans had commandos? What did you, what did you think about that when you saw that, Mike? Had no idea the Vulcans had commandos. And, and you know, for, for a, a race, for a species that are so uh, suppressive with their emotions, you know, they're, they're pretty kick butt. I mean, they're very passionate with their warfare. Right. Well, hey, the, the next episode that we had on this was Rogue Planet. And boomers, please talk to me about this. Help me explain this planet to my young sons. Because, I mean... I know they said that this was around the events for, so that's how they got their heat. And I would still have to think guys that they would have to be wearing some kind of jackets around that. Mm -hmm. But the vegetation, it appeared to be green. You would have to have some major alien 
photosynthesis without sun, something going on here. Mike, Mike, do you have any theories about this? I, I don't, but you know, I, I, I tend to give it a pass. I had thought about this before, but honestly, I ended up giving it a pass for just because it's an alien planet. But I mean, you're absolutely right. If you look at the science of it, uh, no sunlight, no photosynthesis, uh, no green vegetation. So in that respect, at least concerning, you know, our scientific law, it, it doesn't work. But again, I just, I give it a pass because it's an alien planet. Anything's right. possible. Exactly. Exactly. And then we actually saw the, the insect that was lit up. So that was, that was kind of yeah. cool. So Jeff, have you heard anything like any kind of explanation for this? Or are we just going to pu- push this off as being alien? Yeah. they never really went too far into explaining it. I mean, the best we got was the heat from the planet was coming up through geothermal vents and the vegetation was growing around that. And somehow it had leaves and it was able to produce oxygen so they could breathe. But I mean, it's kind of stretching it, but okay, I'll, I'll go with it. But you would have thought that, uh, you know, a, a ship of scientific exploration would have, been more inquisitive about that. That's 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 my only criticism of, of the episode. Yeah, they would have been all over that. Like, holy cow, check this out. We have to spend the next month here checking this out. Yes. Right. Yes. I yes. I again please, Babel Conference listeners, please talk to me about this. Let me because my sons have they asked me, they were like, why is it so lit if there's no sun? And I'm like, guys, I don't know. I can't, I don't know what, what to tell you, except it's a TV show. Okay. But it, it would be nice if we could try to maybe explain it. So let's move on to our, uh, our second theme, which was a longer trip than we planned for and talking about shadow pod one. And we got to find out that Reed is a ladies man guys. And it, that kind of seemed to uh, go against what we had seen maybe earlier in the season. And then also actually to me, it seemed like later in the series, Mike, what did you think about Reed and his, his big black book apparently? Well, that's funny. You should ask me that because I have always affectionately referred to this episode as to all the girls I've loved before. I, I really enjoy uh, sitting and listening to him write these letters to these girls and Reed, first of all, is is borderline nihilistic, guys. He he seems to have this death wish. He he wants to die, and here he's got a perfect opportunity. He's writing these these you know doom and gloom kind of love letters to these girls that you know that that uh, that, that he's had relationships with, and he's he's driving Tucker up the wall. And then, of course, the very uncomfortable moment when they both find out that they have known. Ruby more times than they could count. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Trip was a little devastated. I think Reed took it better than trip, but uh, Jeff, what did you think about that? I think a lot of those were women that perhaps he had gone on a single date with and maybe uh, he put more into it than they did. And they might not even remember who he is. Um, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, he, uh, Maybe uh, um, drawing a few more conclusions in those relationships than uh, might have been warranted. I, I love I love that theory. I love that theory. That is totally headcanon for me now. You know he he thought it was something, but they probably like uh, who who's this? Okay, so I've got yeah. a fantastic challenge for our uh, 
for our amazing art director, uh, Aaron Harvey. I would love to have a print of Reed, Jordy, and Harry Kim sitting in 10 forward having a drink. <laughs> Crying in their beer. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Well, I, I really like Shuttle Pod 1. It's a two-man, one-act play, basically. Mm-hmm. And I'd actually heard that uh, maybe at a, at a Star Trek convention that the that Connor and Dominic would, had actually been asked if they could do that as a, as a stage play. So I'm telling you, I don't know about you guys, but I would, I'd buy tickets for that. I'd totally pay to see that. Nice. So going on to the next theme gets us into fusion and we got to see some emotional Vulcans, which to Paul told us was the Vatosh Couture. What was your reaction the first time you saw the captain, Captain Tavin, ask for some of Archer's chicken marsala, Jeff? I thought that was very interesting and it fit with a group of Vulcans who were not as strict about following the teachings of Surak. It also, uh, I thought it was an interesting tie in with Star Trek five because you've got Cybok who also did not follow the teachings of Surak. And if he's not going to follow the logic, uh, and the emotional suppression, then it's not that hard of a stretch to say, well, maybe he also eats meat. Mm-hmm. He's willing to try new things more so than some other Vulcans. Right. Yeah. I, I, when I, the first time I saw it, I, it, it kind of made me set up a little bit. I had to laugh a little bit though, because they, they paint, they show the, to Paul's reactions and that was classic. That was classic. She's looking around with bug eyes and that was just, that was classic. So, uh, the main protagonist of this episode was Tolaris. He's actually played by actor Enrique Murciano. And I've got to tell you, he did a great job because if he's not creepy in real life, he did a great job for this episode. This episode covered some serious issues, though, two of which stand out to me would be uh, sexual assault. Mm-hmm. And then later it led to HIV awareness when she actually gets infected. So, Mike, what did you think about the way the Enterprise tried to address these issues? You know, I, I, I found that to be an interesting narrative uh, that they would dive into that. And I, I think it was a very Star Trek way uh, to explore uh, the topic of sexual assault. And then later they further that narrative a little bit uh, into uh, Pinar syndrome, which uh, would probably be equated to, you know, a sexually transmitted disease such as HIV uh, I, I thought, again, a very Star Trek way to do it. And you're absolutely right. En- Enrique Marciano really gives a strong performance in this episode. He was very creepy. In fact, I, I just I think he's the creepiest uh, Vulcan I- I've probably ever seen. I think it's interesting that uh, the Captain Tavin, uh, played by Robert Pine, that's that's a nice little uh a piece of trivia, father of uh, Chris Pine, J.J. Trek's Captain Kirk. And I actually got a, a Vulcan that I could really relate to in this episode. Kov, I think was his name, who had a falling out with his uh, with his dad, that strained relationship. I had a similar relationship with my dad for, for uh, the greater part of, uh, of my uh, young life. My, my dad passed away um, when I was in my early 20s. 
uh, and we were able to patch things up the last few years. But I, I relate to uh, Kov and the and the bitterness and the difficulty of uh, the relationship that he had and hearing that his father was ill and and reaching out and trying to repair that relationship. So I, I just appreciated the fact that I, I got a Vulcan I could relate to. Wow, thank you for sharing that, Mike. Uh, Jeff, what did what did you think about that episode? Yeah, I also really identified with the uh, uh, the sexual assault themes of the of the episode. Um, uh, that was kind of one of the main plot points of the of the story, and I, I thought it was really well handled, and it was a really nice uh, kind of a uh, way to approach it without directly doing uh, a story about that. I think it really worked, and it, it, when they did the whole. Uh, Pinar syndrome uh, storyline later, I think that also, uh, at first I wasn't so crazy about that one, but it grew on me and it worked. And then mm-hmm. the payoff in season four just made the whole oh, arc yeah. just perfect. I, I think it was just really, really well done. Yeah, that was a nice callback later for uh, mm-hmm. in season four. Boy, that brought it home. That was, that was really nice. All right. Well, man, that... Like I said earlier, folks, Dear Doctor and Fusion, to me, those could be a whole arc of Warp 5s for us right there. But please let us know, what did you think about that episode? What did you think about how they addressed those issues? Um, let us know in the Babel Conference. That'd be, that's that, These are just some great discussion right here in this segment. This is a rich segment of Enterprise. Mm, indeed. Yeah, there is so much to talk about in those episodes. So to change gears just a little bit, lighten it up, we'll finish off with acquisition. And <laughs> according to Memory Alpha, the description is a group of interstellar thieves stun the Enterprise crew and begin looting the ship. Trip Tucker is the only one left to stop them, but can he do it in his underwear? So I thought, wow, that description, <laughs> that really does kind of set this up. That I mean, if someone hasn't seen this episode and they already see Ferengi, Wow. You know, I, I have to tell you all, you guys, I, I was not impressed with Ferengi until I watched DS9. And even, I, I don't know where you were living when I saw this the first time we were, you know, we were living around the country, but I almost bet you could have felt the tremble from my eye roll when I heard that Ferengi were on Enterprise during first run. Mm-hmm. I was not a fan at that time. But since I've watched DS9, I I like I I appreciate them. I won't say let's not say I like. Like is a strong word. Let's say I appreciate the Fringi. And I really liked the way they spuck the cameos for this. That just puts an extra little special on there. So Mike, what did you think about seeing Fringi on Enterprise? Well, before I answer that question, I'm just I'm curious. I know I'm the guest and I'm not supposed to ask the questions, but uh and and we obviously need to stray away from uh, Enterprise to answer this, but I'm just kind of curious as to what uh, your favorite uh, Ferengi episode in Star Trek is. Man, I know you're going to put me on a naming an episode. It's been, it's been a while since I watched DS nine. The actually, I actually liked the episode where in DS nine where Quark and his brother and Nog went back in time. I believe they got caught Mm -hmm. at a, at a little green military men. base. Little green men. Yes, yes. And I don't know, that that just made me laugh. I laughed, laughed, laughed watching that episode. Mm-hmm. And the first time I watched DS9, I actually skipped that episode because I saw it was about Fringy. 
But I okay. went back and I watched all the Fringy episodes in, as their own arc, and it I I really like that episode. Yeah. Jeff, what, uh, what's your favorite episode? Um, I would have to say uh, the Magnificent Ferengi. Okay. It showed there is a lot more to Ferengi culture than just what we had seen up to that point. And you got the Ferengi mercenary who basically is the hired gun who will do whatever for whoever mm-hmm. as long as they're paying. There was even a great scene where he even admitted that he didn't really care as much about the Latinum as he did about the job because he just yeah. got a kick out of, you know, going out and being a hired gun. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really fascinating. And then you contrast that with Nog and with, you know, all the other Ferengi characters, uh, Rom and Quark and Brunt and all the rest of them. And it's, you get a really wide variety of Ferengi personalities. And I loved that, what it did for the Ferengi as a culture. And I've long said that what Deep Space Nine did for the Ferengi, Enterprise did for the Andorians and then later for the Vulcans. And that's one of the things that I love about Enterprise. Yeah. That's true. That's true. So, Mike, you're str- you're trying to sidestep the question. What did you think about seeing Ferengi on Enterprise? Well, m- my answer to the question uh, is is simply this: This is one of my favorite Ferengi episodes, and and actually, they're they're my top three right there: Little Green Man, uh, the Magnificent Ferengi, and you know this particular episode acquisition. My three favorite, and on on Ferengi episodes in general, I'm about fifty fifty. About half of them, I, I just I I don't like, and the other half of them are some of my favorite Star Trek episodes. I actually actually like the Ferengi, but uh, we we don't do them a, a great uh, service in a lot of uh, f- so-called Ferengi episodes. This one was really really strong. First of all, we've got Clint Howard, Ethan Phillips, and Jeff Combs. Uh, you know, coming in. So you've got three really strong performers coming in portraying Ferengi. And I, I just, I love the comedic kind of tongue in cheek uh, feel of this episode. I love the fact that, you know, we've got uh, Tucker running around a ship in his underwear. I think he should have gotten uh, a medal or a citation or something. Where would he uh, pin it? Where would he pin it? <laughs> <laughs> On his boxer briefs. Right. Uh, <laughs> nice. But yeah, right? one of my, one of my favorite episodes. Well, I, I'm, you know, when we name those, I, I have this in my top three also. So mm-hmm. Jeff, what did, what did you think about seeing Ferengi show up on Enterprise? My first reaction was that this was way too early in the timeline for them to be showing up. But then as I thought about it some more, it became pretty obvious to me that these guys were out trying to make as much money for themselves as possible. And to do that, they would need to get as far as possible from the FCA. And in the course of doing so, that would take them out closer to Earth than all the other Ferengi had been at this point. So with that in mind, I'm thinking, okay, great. You know, maybe these are also the same Ferengi that ran into the Velakians. Hmm. And yep, yep, there we go. You know, we got some. It would ex- also explain a lot of some of the references to the Ferengi early on. You know, so by next generation area, they'd heard of the Ferengi, but they never really saw them. So here you've got this rogue ship of Ferengi a couple of hundred years earlier, just wandering around trying to, uh, you know, for, uh, fulfill the, the great Ferengi dream. And uh, nobody ever sees them again. And 
the only time that they actually encountered the crew of the Enterprise, nobody knew that these were the Ferengi that they'd heard about before. Now you've got uh, a plausible uh, reason why the connection was never made. You know, all, for all they knew, it's you know some random species that they'd never heard of, and they never see him again. So the connection never gets made until like two hundred years later when uh, Picard mm-hmm. runs into him. Yep. So there could actually be people who are watching Enterprise for the first time. They haven't watched Star Trek before and they're doing their rewatch right now and they're starting with Enterprise and they don't know either. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we all know as as fans that have been fans all along. And if you really go in, if you go ahead and just put all the history aside and the baggage aside and and, and just trying to prejudge it, if you really think about it, they didn't mention that they were Ferengi. They're just these aliens. And this would be just one captain's log that we could go down that could possibly get lost when we get into the expanse, when we get into the damage that we get with the ship. So a lot of people say, well, there should have been a log and they should have known about it and Picard should have known. Well, the funny thing is, is Picard could have made a mistake if we want to, if I want to make an excuse in the universe. Mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of TNG fans don't want to hear that, that Picard could be fallible, but. You well, know, that and you got two hundred years of captain's logs from all these other ships that get piled mm-hmm. up, and stuff's going to get lost in the shuffle, right? Yeah, you know, and the incident with the Borg that set up all kinds of other stuff too. And you know, we'll get into that when we get to to that episode. But you know, that also they never got the name of the species. All they knew is that it's a race of cyborgs and they ran into a bunch of cybernetic races. Phlox even mm-hmm. made a reference to the, uh, the binars binars. Exactly. Yeah. That was, that was an awesome callback too for the TNG. That was one of the, that was one of the first TNG episodes that I really, really remember besides encounter at far point during first run was, I, I'm not going to get the name of it right, but it was the binar episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, Flocks and apparently Denobulans knew about Tribbles, but a lot of other people didn't a hundred years later. You know, Uhura had never heard of what a Tribble was before. Right. Yeah, and Hoshi knows that they're a snack Mm -hmm. for something in the cage, right? Yeah. You know, Jeff, you mentioned a a minute ago uh, the connection to uh, the Dear Doctor episode, kind of pointing back to that. And I know in Dear Doctor, when we were talking about that a moment ago, we were talking about this. That was the first mention, uh, at least uh, in the timeline, of uh, the Ferengi. And I, I think it's interesting because I, I believe we have a mention here of the Mank, which were the lesser evolved mm-hmm. uh, species. Uh, or, yeah, yeah, being the lesser evolved species uh, in Dear Doctor. Clint Howard's Ferengi character, Muck, I think is his name, says, you know, do I look like a Mank to you? So... There's there's that pointing back to Dear Doctor. Mm-hmm. So there definitely, I think, had been some interaction between this rogue ship of Ferengi and uh, the the uh, the Valakians and the Mank. Yep, there you go. It's all connected. It's all it's connected. All, hashtag, hashtag it's all connected. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah, the yeah Star Trek beat this, out Marvel on that by decades. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah, for acquisition, I I I like this as a Fringy episode, but one of the things that just make this so, such a good episode or fun for a fun episode for me is the cameos. Clint Howard, he he was in one of the very first Star Trek episodes I ever saw as a little kid, mm-hmm. and he well, that, creeped. That me was out. one of the first Star Trek <laughs> episodes. Period. Right, yes. and he creeped me out as a little kid <laughs> in that episode. 
Oh, those eyebrows, a, man. Yes. And it's his voice. Eyebrows. And that, his voice. And that laugh. But you could so pick him out. And then Ethan Phillips, very familiar as Neelix. And then, of course, Jeff Combs. Mm -hmm. Jeff Combs, the guy, he could play a doorknob, you know. And I I also think it's funny because, except for Clint Howard, both Ethan Phillips and Jeff Combs had played Ferengi before. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, yes, yes. So, uh, Mike, what are your final thoughts about this, this segment of episodes we had here? Well, thanks so much, Floyd, for uh, inviting me uh, to join you guys in the shuttle pod here. I have to say that as far as season one is concerned, these are some of the strongest episodes for me uh, in the entire season. Starting with Dear Doctor, again, it was one of Newsweek's top 10. It's certainly one of my top episodes, Sleeping Dog, Shadows of Pajam. Uh, I love the fact that Chat is a Pajam is kind of a continuation of the Andorian incident. I always like it when we kind of play off of other episodes. Rogue Planet, I thought I thought was a pretty good episode. Not probably not one of my favorites. Uh, Shuttle Pod One, definitely a favorite. Fusion, I, I think it had a strong story. And Acquisition, one of my favorite Ferengi episodes in all of Star Trek. So you, you just couldn't ask for 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 those out there that are kind of critical of the, this first season of Enterprise, I, I, I really think if you, if you look at this third quarter of the season, you're looking at just really some strong stories, some good entertainment, great track. All right. Yeah. Jeff, what are your final thoughts about this segment? These are also, I, I think some of the stronger episodes of the season. I mean, we, the first season has a lot of really strong episodes. Uh, I mean, it's, I I think it's one of the strongest first seasons of Star Trek since the original. Yeah. You've got all these points where they're setting up the tensions with the Klingons that you know eventually it's just going to boil over and you're going to have open conflict with the Klingons within the next hundred years. And you've got the tensions that they're setting up between the Andorians and the Vulcans because, yeah, we could have everybody just show up and start being friends, but it's so much more interesting if you start off with everybody just at each other's throats and over time working together and becoming friends and having the tensions between the Andorians and the Vulcans set up from the beginning and that they bend at each other's throats for years, if not decades or centuries, it makes it so much more interesting and a lot more uh, of a, a satisfying payoff when Archer manages to get them together and settle some of their differences. I agree. I agree. This, the first season to me, it is, it is very strong. Like it's right there with original series to me, the first season of enterprise. And this seemed to be, you know, there was, there was good episodes leading up to this, but this is when they really started hitting their stride, I think. Yeah. And then season two is nice with, along with it. I mean, I just finished season two in my rewatch or I'm about to, and first season, second season as a future for us, less of a prequel for Kirk, Boy, I, these are some really strong episodes about to get into the expanse. Yeah, and another another point was uh, I remember a lot of people were complaining about the portrayal of the Vulcans in these early episodes, and they're talking about how they're just so conniving and backstabbing, and they're lying and they're cheating. And then I've just I point to some of the original series episodes. You've got a mock time where. Tapring and Stan are doing the exact same thing to Spock. Mm-hmm. They're manipulating and they're just trying to twist everything so that they can get what they want. 
how is that any different than what we see with the Vulcans are doing a hundred years earlier? Yep. I agree. I agree. And then that we're going to be revisiting Vulcans later this year, but yeah, we, we don't really know what Vulcans are. This was a hundred years before Spock and Spock wasn't even Vulcan. He wasn't even a hundred percent Vulcan. Mm-hmm. So we, we got a, a different view for through a different lens for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun talking about some of the season one adventures of the NXO one crew, but this isn't the only topic we've been talking about here on Trek FM this week. So here's a quick look at some of the other things you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM standard orbit with Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Uhura, Chekhov, Scotty, Sulu, and the enterprise. That is your crew. That is the family of the original series. And yes, we would like to see that maintained and protected and treated with reverence. Earl Grey. Jordy is the one that's like, you know what? No, you're wrong. You're wrong about Data. I'm going to drop a challenge right here, and Data's totally going to step up to the plate, and you're going to get served, Plasky. And that's how LaForge created Moriarty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it turned out good, but I mean, he had good intentions. <laughs> to the journey! Wow. Part of me is going, wow, this is really good. Another part of me is going, really? Like, this is what you spend your time on? I kind of wish that we could use the whole time that we allot for our podcast for you to read this synopsis, because I really enjoyed story time with Tristan. <laughs> Commentary, Trek stars. And I can see, you know, Abrams recognizing that talent and being like, you know what? I know that you can make a good movie here. You know, I'm not convinced that I can yet, but I think that you can. And I'm going to learn from you, too, so that one day I can make a Star Wars movie. The 602 Club. How do these kids work for you, especially in this first movie? It's amazing when you look back on on how far they've come and the chemistry that they had right off the bat because from the word go when they were on the Hogwarts Express all at the same time, that's really when it, it took off. That's really when the movie took off for me. Literary Treks. I was given a couple of mandates for Rough Beasts of Empire, one of which was, of course, jump the story ahead four years. Another was get Cisco back on a starship um, and also have Spock uh, in, in the story. Women at Warp. You can always count on DC Fontana to Vulcan things up, and I, I for one, appreciate her for that. Get Vulcan with it. Na-na-na-na-na-na. Na-na-na-na-na-na. <laughs> get Vulcan with it. Meta Trex. Don't tell me you haven't wondered what it's like to be Patrick Stewart. Actually, I've wondered. I've, I've often wondered what it's like to be the Shat. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way to know. It's one of a kind. He's one of a kind. <laughs> He's one of a kind. Melodic tricks. But it's basically from a motivation of not treating the audience stupid. You know, treating them that they have dreams, they have imagination, they have hope, they have fear. They have all those things, and the music plays on them. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe. You can find us on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course, you can always stream or download the MP3 file from our website at Trek.fm, and you can grab the RSS link as well. And if you're an Apple user, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. That makes it easier for other listeners to find the show as they search iTunes, and it helps us to increase our visibility for new listeners. Yes, that is that that helps us out so much, uh, listeners. If if you could just 
give us a review. That would be great, but just hit that subscribe button. And then I, like I use actually, I don't use the iTunes podcaster, but I still use it to subscribe to the shows that I listen to because in iTunes and their algorithm that helps us. I don't know how the, I haven't seen the algorithm. I'm sure it's complicated, but for some reason it helps us so that we would really appreciate it. So Mike, you and I, actually all three of us had Jeff, we have uh, contributed to Trek FM through patreon.com and Mike, you and I have actually been associate producers for about a year now for warp five. So Mike, tell our listeners about patreon.com. Well, if you go to patreon.com slash Trek FM, you can find uh, a myriad of ways uh, to help support the network. This is about, uh, supporting and growing our, our own fandom. And I'm a proud supporter of the network. If you go to patreon.com slash Trek FM, you can check out all of the perks that we have available for our listeners who support the network. Those perks include early access to content on, on the patron zone. Uh, they include uh, pro- associate producer credits, the ability to participate in our roundtable, uh, just lots of uh, perks available uh, for uh, for, for supporters of the network. It costs a lot of money to uh, store this data, downloads. Uh, every time a download uh, happens, you know, it's, it's, it's an expense. It takes a lot of money to uh, run the network. All of us are volunteers, but data storage and downloads, that, th- that costs a tremendous amount of money. It's a great way for our listeners to help support. We don't ask for paid subscriptions, but any support that we can get uh, would, would be uh, beneficial and helpful. And Floyd, we also have the Patron Zone. Yeah, the Patron Zone is a really cool uh, website that Christopher Jones, he set up for patrons. So you actually, it's password protected. So you, as soon as you become a patron at the $5 a month level or above, you actually access, uh, you've got wallpaper, you've got ringtones, you've got almost kind of a blooper reel little bit. That's something that we're thinking about putting in there, but there's already right now uh, Matthew Rushing and Christopher going at it as playing it out as the NXO1 crew versus the NXO2 crew. And another great perk about being a patron at the $15 a month or above level is the roundtable. So Jeff, tell everyone about the roundtable. Well, the roundtables are set up so that the listeners and the hosts can all get together and we just kind of sit down and we just talk about Star Trek. It's just kind of an open forum. We all just basically spend an hour just talking about Star Trek, just like uh, you hear us doing on all these other shows. And the topic can be anything in Star Trek. It can be something behind the scenes, something that's coming up in the news with the new show or the new movie, or it could be, you know, a very specific point on some philosophical issue. It could be anything. Uh, We uh, send emails back and forth. We discuss what our ideas are for the show, for the people that want uh, to do it, Um, anyone who's interested. And they can say, you know, yes, I'm in. And we arrange a time. We pick a topic and we all just meet up together and we just talk. And it's kind of like going and meeting up with some friends like over, you know, pizza or drinks or going to a a game store or whatever, you know, it's just instead you're meeting up online in a, in a chat window and you can see people's pictures up on the screen in front of you. And it's a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Interestingly enough, the first podcast I ever was on was round table number two. And both of you were on there with me. So that was the (laughs) first time we ever met. 
So that's the kind of, that's how your fandom can really jump ahead. Listeners right there. I, it was less than a year ago. That was my very first podcast. So also if you'd like to wear your Trek FM fandom, you can also find great Trek FM theme merchandise at redbubble.com. Just type Trek FM into the search field. And every episode, I always like to thank Mike. Mike, thank you so much for being a co-associate producer of Warp 5 through Patreon.com. My pleasure. I'd also like to thank Christopher Jones. He is our new Warp 5 editor and producer. And I just think we're so lucky to have the Trek FM editor on our Warp 5 team. Thank you so much, Christopher. If you'd like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on Trek FM slash contact look on the sidebar on the show page or go to speakpipe.com slash trek fm and please leave a voice message you can also contact us through twitter at trek fm facebook.com slash trek fm and you can also find us at the babel conference type the babel conference b-a-b-e-l into the search field on facebook or go to our website at trek fm and click discussion on the menu bar so mike if our listeners wanted to get in contact with you how could they do that well, I'm a co-host of uh, Metatrex along with uh, Zachary Fruling, uh, so certainly uh, you can contact us uh, via our show page. I'm also, as you mentioned, on Facebook and Twitter. My handle is at cmichael1701. Very good. And Jeff, if the listeners want to talk to you about the 22nd century or the 23rd century or just about any century, how could they talk to you? Well, all times are available, and... If you don't have access to an Atavicron or uh, any other method of time travel, uh, there are quite a few out there. Uh, even time pods going back to the 22nd century that uh, might be able to get the keys from uh, the guy while he's uh, knocked out cold. You can find me on the Babel Conference. I'm on there all the time. I post just about every day. And I'm on Twitter, at Harlander. And you can also uh, uh, find me on here, Warp 5, or on the Standard Orbit. I'm co-host on both shows. I'm also a proud supporter through Patreon of of uh, the network, as we've mentioned before. And you can find my Star Trek site, trekopedia.com. It's been called the Grand Unified Theory of Star Trek. And I try to bring everything together under one roof and make it work. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can always find me on the Babel Conference, the Trek FM Facebook listeners page. Um... Boy, fellas, this was a fun discussion. Um, we're pulling into the shuttle bay, so it's almost. I guess time. that means I have to return to Captain's Bourbon. Uh, well, we can. We're it's almost finished. We can go ahead and finish it before we get before we open the shuttle pl- the door. We'll just we'll we'll check the bottom of it, make sure it's clean. Okay. So, uh, Jeff, uh, go ahead and send us off. Well, thanks everyone for listening, and join us again next time here in the shuttle pod for another episode of Warp Five. <laughs>